Well, good morning. I don't know if I can speak after that. Mm. I've seen that quite a few times, and it still stirs my emotions. Um, really good to be with everybody this morning. Uh, you know, this is, um, we got the spring this morning. We got um, the spring forward <laughs> and the spring break. And so I think that that's, that uh, has taken a few people away, and that's fine. That's, that's the way it ought to be. We're glad that we can be together this morning, and we're, we look forward to, to spending this time with you and, and sharing the Word of God as well as talking about Namal Village. Some of you all have probably been uh, concerned a little bit about my health status. Uh, six or seven weeks ago, I was uh, tested positive for typhoid, and um, that was quite a shock. So I took um, medication for that, and, uh, and in the process of all that, then I became lightheaded and dizzy. I consulted with, with Terry, and he gave us some suggestions. We went to doctors in Tanzania, and, and things got better, but not completely cured, and uh, so here I am standing here and hoping that I will not fall over. If I do, don't worry about it too much. Um, but, um, you know, I've been to all the doctors uh, at Scott and White. I think I know them all by their first names now. And, um, you know, we've been, we've been to the dermatologists, and we've been to the cardiologist, and we've been to the hematologist. And all the ologists who are there, except for gynecologists, you know. And so um, I'm not ruling that out. I don't know. Um, all I can say is that they, you know, what they've done is it, it's the, the, the process of elimination. Well, it's not this, and it's not this, and it's not this. And we don't know what it is, but we hope it gets better. Uh, so uh, that's kind of where we are with all of this. This may be my new normal, you know. To just kind of feel a little woozy, but we're we're managing and we're taking taking care of things. Uh, I, I do hope that you will stick around uh, for the Bible class this morning. Uh, Doris has prepared all the slides. How many do we have? Eighty something slides that we <laughs> that we want <laughs> we want to show you um, a good report about Namal Village and all that God is doing there, and it, it is just quite amazing. You know, it, it was eight years ago that we began this work. And uh, in that time, we spent a good bit of our, our lives in Tanzania. We love it there. We love the people. We love the culture. We love what we're doing. We love what God is allowing us to do here in our retirement years. And uh, we wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, so uh, we're going to do all of that right here. The, the, the report will be right here in this, in this room. We're going to do a little setup so that we can use our own slide projector for that. But y'all just be with us and, and be patient. We'll get into that very, very quickly after uh, the worship service this morning. So I made the offer to, uh, to speak while we were here, and this is the, the day that they gave me. And uh, Warren said, why don't you try to continue on in the series on, uh, about the Sermon on the Mount? And I was happy to do that. So today we're in Matthew chapter 6. And Matthew chapter 6, 1 through 18 is the passage that uh, that we need to focus on this morning. And I'm just going to read the very first part of that. 
which uh, begins in chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets and on the streets to be honored by men i tell you the truth they will ha- they will have received their reward in full but when you give to the needy do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you this introduces the whole passage down to to verse 18 and so um you know, Jesus begins by saying, don't let your righteousness be seen before men. Don't, don't, when you do your righteousness, don't do it to be seen by men and to be in front of men. Uh, you know, Jesus talks about some really good things here. He talks about, about three very good things. He talks about giving to the needy, and then he talks about prayer, and then he talks about fasting. These are all three really good things that we all ought to be involved in. Probably not so much the fasting, you know, but maybe that ought to be also. I will say, Terry, you know, with the typhoid, I was able to lose 10 pounds before we came back uh, to the States. That was good because I could fit into my my wedding suit for Haley's wedding. (laughs) When I stepped on the scales this morning... I discovered that 10 pounds had somehow returned. And so I got out my stretchy pants this morning so that I would be more comfortable. But I don't know where I'm leading with that. <laughs> um, these, these are good things that we all ought to be doing. Giving, prayer, fasting. How many other things do we do, you know, because of our relationship with God? But Jesus, with each one of these, uh, these items, giving prayer and fasting, he also associates the word hypocrite. And that's not a word we like to think about. But Jesus uses that word in each of these instances. As a matter of fact, when you read through the Gospels, you read through the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you find Jesus talking about the hypocrites 18 times. It's, it's not one of those unspoken of uh, ideas. And so he says, you don't want to be like the hypocrites when you're practicing your righteousness because, you know, they want to be seen by men. When we talk about hypocrites today, and we, use, we hear that word in our society quite often, uh, we, generally, we, we generally understand what we're talking about And the modern definition for a hypocrite is a person who puts on false appearances of virtue. You know, I want to appear virtuous, but that's not really who I am. And another uh, way of looking at it is a person who acts in contradiction to his or her stated beliefs or feelings. And we we see that uh, in our society quite often today. People being inconsistent with who they claim to be. In New Testament times, 
the word hypocrite didn't mean uh, exactly that. In New Testament times, the word meant to be an actor, to be a stage actor, someone who stood up in a what we would call a play and performed in front of others. And you've all seen, you know, the the uh, the mask that they used to wear. They would put on a mask to signify a particular character, and they would act out this character. And at the end of it, what do people? What would people do? They would applause. They would clap. They would, they would give their approval. And so those who are actors, in a sense, they live for that applause. That's what they're looking for. Look at me. Look how great, uh, great I did with this particular part and uh, recognize how, how well I have done. And Jesus uses um, the word hypocrite in these verses in that particular way. He said, people will, will give to the needy, but they're only doing it so that others will see what they're doing and try to approve of them and try to think, oh, what a good person this is. Or maybe when they pray, they stand up in front of others and they, they pray in such a, a, a great manner. And I'll just, have to, I'll just have to tell you, I'm not, I don't consider myself a person who prays uh, beautiful prayers. I, I hear people pray beautifully, and I, I would love to do that, but that's not me. But these people would stand up in order t- to do that. Look how great I prayed. This must be a really good person. Or maybe when it came, comes to fasting. And Jesus gave uh, these three different examples. And he says, you know, you don't want to be to do this uh, to be seen by men. You don't want it to be honored by others. You don't do this to be seen by others or to, or to show others. That's not what it's all about. Being a hypocrite in this context is not a good thing. And so Jesus says, you be careful. Be careful not to practice your righteousness before others so that you will be seen by them. The focus should not be on ourselves. The focus should always be on God. But wait a minute. Just back up a little bit. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus says, I want you to let your light so shine before others that they may see your good deeds. What's the difference here? Jesus says, let your good deeds be seen by others. And then he says, no, don't, don't let them see your good deeds. And the difference is, of course, why you are doing something. And in Matthew 5, verse 16, Jesus says, you let your light so shine before men so that they may see your good deeds. And do what? Give glory to God the Father in heaven. We do things in order to praise God, to glorify God. We want God to see this, and we want God to be the example. I want you just to think for a moment about the ministry of Jesus. Jesus didn't do his ministry in secret. Everything he did was in a very public way. He healed people. He taught good things. He went about uh, doing all kinds of good things, you know. But this was not 
to bring uh, honor to himself, but to bring honor to God. How can you have a ministry that touches other people if it's not out in front of them? That's what it has to be. And you know, missionaries have to, have to be concerned about this as well. Men, doing doing uh, the work of a, of, a, um, of a missionary, you have to be in front of other people. You have to be out there in front telling people and showing people and guiding people. But how important it is that we shouldn't be drawing attention to ourselves and how well we have done. Doris and I struggle with it quite often. And, our, you know, at Namo Village, we're always out in front. You, you know, uh, we're, we're out there directing things and guiding things and working with children and working with volunteers and doing all sorts of things. And the reaction we often get, especially from volunteers, oh, what a great job you've done. And, and that just kind of bothers us. It really does. You know, because I want you to know that we don't consider ourselves as having done this. And most of you know us. You know us quite well. And, you know, we're just two old, old guys, you know. Uh, I just celebrated my 77th birthday. So, you know, we're getting up there in years, and we don't have any special ability. I've never been one of those great preachers who could just, you know, hold people, you know, in their grasp, and people are just waiting to hear every, every word they said. That's not been who we have been, you know. That's, that's not us. We've always just tried to follow God and say, you know, God, we'll go wherever you want us to go. But we always say, this is what God has done. And I'll just tell you, you'll see some pictures a little bit later on. And I think that you're going, you're going to be amazed at what you see. But we know that in eight years, two old people who don't have all the resources that we need, we could not literally could not have done this. So it's to God be the glory. Absolutely. And we always tell people, this is God's work. This is not our work. And how important it is for that to happen. Um, but the important thing is that we, we remember to glorify God. In this passage from Isaiah 42, verse 8, God says, I am the Lord, I will not yield or share my glory with another. And I think that's really important. Let God have the glory. And if we start receiving, you know, compliments and saying, oh, thank you, we've we've worked really hard so we could do this, you know what will happen? I think God will no longer bless the work. He'll only bless us as long as we say this is what God has done. I want you to think a little bit about about, uh, how the early uh, apostles and early preachers went about their work. I love this story from Matthew chapter 6. I'm sorry, from Acts chapter 6 where I didn't even get that right, all right? Acts chapter 3 where... Peter and John go up to the temple. You remember the story? Peter and John are going to the temple. This is after, after the day of Pentecost and the church has begun. And they've gone to the temple. And uh, there sitting at the temple gate is this man 
who has been crippled all of his life. And he's there to beg for, for some gifts, some, for some alms. And he asked them for something. And Peter and John stop and say, you know, we don't have any Peter. We don't have any uh, silver or gold. But what we do have, we will give you. And what did they have? So it says in verse 6, silver or gold I do not have. But what I, what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. So the man is immediately healed. He stands up and not only walks, he jumps and runs. And uh, they go into the temple uh, praising God. But, of course, everybody who is in, in the temple, they knew this man. They knew that something great had happened here. So they, they all run together. They're astonished. And he, Peter says in verse 12, he says, Why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? And he goes on to say in verse 16, By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you all can see. And I think this is what all of the early apostles and, and Christians and disciples did as they went out. You know, people were amazed at what they could do and at what they would teach, but they would always say, if this is not by our power, this is by the power of God, by the power of Jesus, and how important it is for us to do that. Let us give and let us pray and let us fast and whatever else we may do, but always remember to praise God. But you know, we all still struggle with this idea of hypocrisy, don't we? I think so. And... Um, you know, who wants to be a hypocrite? Pardon me. <clears throat> I think we all struggle with the idea that, that we are often inconsistent with our, with our faith and with our belief. So I want to just ask the question, you know, what is hypocrisy not? Because we often equate it with inconsistency, but I'm wanting, I'm wanting to tell you that, you know, inconsistency is not necessarily hypocrisy. You know, people are accused of hypocrisy because they failed to uh, live up to their own, their own belief or their own, their own stated uh, principles. We've all been there, haven't we? I think we have. Here's a phrase for you. I'm speaking for myself. I am consistently inconsistent. Can you relate to that? There's one thing about my life, and I suspect about yours too, is that you are inconsistent. We often do not live up to our beliefs or our moral principles. You know, and I say and do things for which I am ashamed. 
Amen? Mm. I, I can just tell you, um, recently Doris and I were in, in a shop with a friend, and we were looking at some items, and, um, and I just felt like, well, I'm not really interested in this, but, but, you know, I felt like I was just being led from one place to another, and I finally just stopped and said, you know, uh, this is not what I'm interested in. You're, you're, not, you're not listening to me. And I think probably I was a little bit on the loud side when I said that. And, um, and I think that it, it probably got a lot of people's attention. And uh, later we discussed it, and, uh, and I said, well, you know, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I, I wish I hadn't done that. And I was embarrassed about it. I was ashamed of, of, that I had done that. You know, and... Um, I think we all do things like that. Do you have to apologize sometimes? You know, uh, I think apology is the, the one thing that we do quite often. And hopefully we can do it well and with real meaning. You know, um, but we are always inconsistent. And sometimes, I'll tell you, we don't feel like doing the things that we need to do. And I'll just tell you, this morning, I didn't feel like coming to church. How about you? You know, um, this uh, spring forward thing that took away an hour of sleep, you know, I think that I would rather have laid there and got back that hour of sleep. I didn't necessarily feel like getting up and coming to church, but here we are. Why do we do that? We, we did it because it was right. We, we did it because we knew that this is what we should be doing. And sometimes we don't feel like doing the things we need to do. But we do them anyway, don't we? All right. Uh, and I, I love uh, what our, our old professor and friend Paul Faulkner used to say. He, he, his phrase that we remember was, it's, it's a lot easier to act your way into feeling than to feel your way into acting. You know, if you just wait forever to, to where you feel like doing something, how often do you never get that feeling? I don't feel like doing this. I just, you know, I don't want to be a hypocrite about this because I don't really feel like it, so therefore I won't do it. No, no, that's, not, that's the wrong way to look at it. You know what's right to do. You go ahead and go through that, and sooner or later, you begin feeling like it's good. You act your way into feeling. So just because you don't feel like it doesn't necessarily mean that you are a hypocrite. So... Um, this, the, um, the video which we showed a few moments ago of the children singing um, How Great Thou Art. I hope you liked that. I think you did. Um, they filmed that in December. And we have a great music teacher who is no longer with us, but, and we're sad about that. But she wanted to do this music video. And there's actually, I think, 12 or 13 songs all together. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a great inspiration, I think. But you saw 
the children singing. And you saw how they acted. Even Malikia, a little blind girl, she's never been able to, to see other people raising their hands. But you saw that, didn't you? So, the music teacher just told the kids, feel the song. Just, just do, what it, do what it feels like. And you saw the results. And how great that is. And, but you know, with children, with children, I think that what you see is what you get with children. I, I really think it's hard for children to be a hypocrite. I think it's hard for children, small children, to be insincere. Now, when, when they get to be teenagers, it's another matter, of course. But, uh, uh, but you know, here, the, these are six-year-old kids and, and younger. It's hard for them to be insincere. It's hard for them, uh, you know, to, to not just be totally open and honest and that's what I like about that. You remember what Jesus said about children? Matthew 18, verse 3, he said, Unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. What is there about children? I think there's something about children being open and honest, and what you see is what you get. And it's true that many times they don't act right. All of us, almost all of us, have been, been parents or worked with children. And you know that uh, they often don't act right. Our little adopted uh, granddaughter, Maria, we, we often describe her as the sweetest, meanest little kid there is. <laughs> and that's true. She can be so sweet and so loving and then turn around and want to rebel and say, no, I don't want to do that. No, she won't cooperate. Well, but th that's being totally open and honest. That's who they are, all right? All right? So, um, inconsistencies. Ah, we all struggle with that. Pardon me. Um, Chris Steedman, the preacher at the branch in Dallas, he tells a story about a um, policeman that was following her driver, and um, he had followed this driver for quite a ways, and finally had to pull the, pull them over, and walked up to the to the to the driver's window. The driver rolled down the window and said, "I don't know what you stopped me for. I know I wasn't speeding, and I don't remember." running a stop sign or anything. So why did you stop me? So the policeman said, well, you know, I was following you, and I, and, and I noticed that at one point you made a, an obscene gesture at a, a driver that, that was going too slow. And when you passed them, you made this obscene gesture to express your disapproval. And, and then, I, then I noticed that um, 
you know, uh, let me see, I'm trying to remember all the, the words. He said, I, um, I saw you um, shaking your head or shaking your fist in rage as another driver cut you off. And he said, then I could tell that you were shouting and pounding on the steering wheel uh, when a driver went around you and then slowed down so that you couldn't maintain your speed. And then he said, I saw the bumper sticker that said, Jesus loves you and so do I. And the policeman said, I thought probably you had stolen this car. <laughs> so we've all been there, haven't we? We've all been there. I searched in vain for a, another little video to show you, and I couldn't find it. But one of the, one of the songs that our kids love to sing is, God's Still Working on Me. You know that one, don't you? And we have um, one of our children, Alicia, who has a rare syndrome called Bell Syndrome. They said that he would probably never walk. But he can not only walk, he can run and uh, jump and keep up with the other kids. And there's just really not, not anything that he can't do. Don't tell him that he can't do it because he'll do it. But he's, he likes to lead this song. And he'll say, you know, God's still working on me to make me what I need to be. It took him just a week. To make the moon and the stars, the sun and the moon and Jupiter and Mars, how loving and patient he must be, because he's still working on me. Well, I think we can all relate to that. You know, and at 77 years of age, he's still working on me. So I think we, we want to conclude, you know, the lesson today by simply asking God to continue to work on us. And as it says in Psalms 51, verse 10, Create in me a pure heart, O God. God worked a long time on David, didn't he? And David, wow, what an inconsistent life there was. How many failures there were. But God said, here's a man after my own heart. But David says, oh, help my heart to be pure. And that's what we all must do. And you know, we have that help. Because God so loved us that he gave his own son. And in just a moment, we're going to have communion together. So I just want you to think about what God is doing for you, how God is still working on you, and what all God has already done for you. Let's stand together and pray the prayer of confession, please.
you please read the part in yellow. We confess to each other and to you, our Creator, that we fall short of being what we were created to be and what we have committed ourselves to be. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of Christ. We often seek out the easiest paths, paths that of least involvement in places where we might be uncomfortable or paths of self-centeredness. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of righteousness. We confess that we have not loved you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. Bring us out of darkness, Lord, and into the light of your love. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of light. Forgive us for getting so caught up in the world's trappings and his false messages of hope that we lose sight of the hope of the kingdom, which brings healing and peace to a world in turmoil. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of peace. May we resolve to become more kingdom-minded, to be peacemakers here and now. Amen.